1: Repeat itself a decade later. UCF takes on Baylor at home in their first Big 12 game at the Bounce House. Baylor's coming in needing a win, but the Knights are too. What will happen this Saturday? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Football is back and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Big week. Um, It's an important week. You know, you're moving on from a Kansas State loss that we all, again, thought UCF could win. They had the opportunity to win. Came up short, but you move on when you're in a conference like this, even when you're in the American, right? You lose to an East Carolina, you have a Cincinnati the next week and you have to bounce back. Um, later on, we'll have Brian Etheridge from Sikkim 365 and 365 Sports. Um, he'll kind of give more of a breakdown than what we're, what we're going to give you right now. Um, on the Baylor Bears and kind of the struggles that have they've been having this season. But first, let me welcome on Nick Geddes, um, as always, or when he can um, come on. But uh, Nick will finally be making it down to Orlando this week. I think one of we'll be going to the game together, one of the more historic games um, in Knight's history. One of those games that you know you will always remember. So... Nick, how you doing? Obviously, give your kind of quick thoughts on the Kansas State game since you weren't able to join the post game. But kind of give your overall thoughts and kind of how you're feeling leading into week number five. Already a third through the, the college football season. Yep, it's going to come and go as fast as it came, right? This is how it rolls.
0: But no, I'm excited to get down there uh, this weekend for the first Big 12 game. I said I was not going to miss that. I'll probably come up for another game, maybe two later in the season, but we'll focus on this one for now. Uh, Kansas State, Uh, we both kind of picked UCF to lose by three in that game, and a lot of it was based on, you know, what is Timmy McClain going to look like? Big test on the road, tough environment, first Big 12 game ever for this program. Is Timmy McClain going to be up to it? And, man, I thought for about 40 minutes of that game, I thought Timmy McClain was up to it. Played really well. I mean, you couldn't ask for much. I mean, on the road against Kansas State, defending Big 12 champion, and you go into the fourth quarter, tied 24-24. But it just felt like from there on, UCF self-imploded. They absolutely self-imploded. And, you know, that's kind of my takeaway there is, you know, how do I feel about the team moving forward? Did Kansas State overall outplay UCF? Yes, they did. Did I think it was by a wide margin? No, I did not. I think UCF um, gave them a lot of help on some of those defensive series where they just could knock it off the field and stupid penalties and Timmy McClain throwing an awful interception and, you know, back. I mean, running. he has a, he has a bad problem of running back when he gets pressure, right? And then – the defensive line for UCF, clearly not up to the task against a really, really strong, probably one of maybe the best offensive line they're going to see all year, truthfully. And they weren't up for the task. Will Howard playing through the injury, gutting it out. Didn't really have to deal with much there. Um, so it happens, right? You lost, what was it, 44-31. They got the garbage time touchdown at the end. It is what it is. I mean, Colton Boomer, he missed the field goal. I mean, it was just one of those nights. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think my outlook for the team has changed that much. They were in it, like I said. They were competitive in that game up until the fourth quarter when they kind of self-imploded on themselves. Obviously, Giddens you know, ran away with that game as well. That wasn't great. I think I just have questions, and I had questions going into the game about that UCF defensive line, and those questions remain. But from the overall perspective, I think it could have gone a lot worse. Um, could have gone a lot better, obviously. But I don't think they were massively outplayed by Kansas State in that game, so that's encouraging.
1: I said it on the the post game. I think ultimately, you did not look at UCF in that game and say they don't look like they are a power five team. You know, you kind of go from that game and said UCF contended, UCF fought hard, and I don't know how how many teams in the Big Twelve are going to compete as good as UCF did against Kansas State this year. I get it. Kansas State had a tough loss to Mizzou. I don't. I think Kansas State, seeing how they played, seeing how good they are on both. In the trenches, ultimately. I think they're going to be right in it at the end uh, for a potential Big 12 championship bid. Um, because watching Oklahoma, I'm more impressed with Kansas State, to be completely honest with you. But that's for another day. Uh, let's get into Baylor. I mean, huge game. I mean, this is a game that we've had marked on the calendar for months. As soon as the schedule came out, it was who's going to be the first Big 12 opponent at home. Because we all know. This kind of gives the feel of of a Texas opening the bounce house, right? Obviously, different circumstances, different, you know, things coming into the game. But this feels just as big in a way. Uh, I can only imagine how the stadium is going to feel in just a couple of days. You've got a team also coming in that I think me and you both assumed would be a lot better than one and three. You have, I mean, we looked down their their four games so far, obviously. The loss in week one to uh, G.J. Kinney uh, at Texas State, 42-31. to That was the, one of the big shockers of that week one weekend was Baylor losing to them. And it kind of gave UCF fans that little confidence of, huh, um, I mean, if Kinney can do it at, with Texas State, UCF, I mean, in week five, who knows? And Blake Shapin goes down in that game. Um, they've gone with Sawyer Robertson the last three weeks. Lost to Utah in a game that, you know, they only lost 20-13 to at home. I think Baylor played really good in that game defensively, and I get it. Utah again was on their backup quarterback, and but Utah's defense is elite, and I think they really you know played extremely well to, and almost came out with the win at the end there. So I think there was a little bit of less confidence after that game. But the last two weeks, I mean, against uh, Long Island, thirty to seven, you didn't really get a lot of confidence in the offense there. Against Long Island, which you know, you get your win, but it's not FBS. And then obviously, last week, Nick's uh, Nick against Texas 38 to six. Um, it might have been, I thought it was worse than that. I might have wrote that down wrong. Um, but I, I don't know why I'm thinking 58 to six. Maybe I actually did write it down wrong. But at the end of the day, clearly, injury problems have plagued this Baylor team, right? Like, shaping your. QB1 goes down in Week 1. With us, John Rice probably went down in Week 2. Now, he played the entire game, but kind of went down in Week 2. He had a solid game against Texas State. I mean, he had 303 yards passing, two touchdowns. The problem with Blake Shapin has been his interceptions. I mean, again, he is not kind of... He gives you some. He's a gunslinger. Threw 10 picks last year, but 18 touchdowns. Um, running the ball, he's not that electric he had 76 carries for 96 yards last year so he's not one of those guys that's really going to kill you too much with his feet but he can kind of ultimately get a first down if he needs it we don't know if he's going to play nick ultimately i think me and you both have the same thought of he's probably going to go this week he kind of has in our opinion the same injury john rice plumley had and again we talked to brian Etheridge later a, a little bit more about that but Kind of give your thought on the quarterback situation. Obviously, there's a lot more problems with this team than the quarterback, um, but Sawyer Robertson's got an ankle. Blake Shapen seems like he had an MCL that he's day-to-day, but we, again, expect him to play. Kind of give your overall thoughts of another week where UCF to ha- UCF has to go into the week not necessarily knowing who the starting quarterback is going to be for Baylor.
0: Yeah, in a way that could not be ideal, kind of like it wasn't ideal for for Kansas State, but I think UCF expected Will Howard to play. I'm sure they prepared for Will Howard to play, just like they're probably preparing for Blake Shapin to play. And I think as I did Will Howard last week, kind of for the same reason, I think that Blake Shapin's gonna gonna gut it out in this one. And it, it looks like he's close anyway, because I believe if th- this past week at Texas, he dressed out during warm-ups he did. and he took did. part there, right? So that tells me I don't know I don't know how close he was to playing there. I think that was just maybe to go through the full you know the full routine again or whatever, see how it feels and whatnot. But I would assume he plays in this one. I think Baylor definitely needs him to play in this one because ever since he's been out, this team has just looked lifeless, Sean. They've looked lifeless. Uh, it's been hard to watch Baylor. I thought Baylor was going to be a much better football team at this point in the year, and unfortunately. You know, you lose your quarterback to injury, you lose some you have some other guys, they have a lot of injury situations going on. It's a younger football team, it's kind of a transition into uh, you know, Dave Aranda's kind of recruit. So you got a lot of young players everywhere, and it just nothing has gone right for them. And you know, starting off Big 12 play like they have so far, it has been pretty. We saw what happened to Texas, and again, Texas is one of the best teams in the nation, but at the same time, then you go back and you know. They're a few plays away from beating Texas state, a team you thought they would have beat. Um, but even without shaping in week two against Utah, which is a top 10 team, you know, they only lost by a score. So they were in that one, right? So if they win that game, you probably think a little bit differently about Baylor, right? But unfortunately, since that Utah game, they, to me have just kind of not looked, I mean, at least in the Texas game, they didn't look great. I know they had the, the layup game in between there, but, Against Texas, they just look lifeless and outclassed. Uh, so they definitely, it looks like a team that needs Blake Shaping back to kind of get some more, to play some inspired football.
1: Yeah, and again, that's the problem. Like whenever a lot of these teams, I know both nose tackles have been out. I mean, Dominic Richardson, he kind of got banged up in week one. He played a little bit against Texas, but I guess he re-injured the ankle a little bit in that first half and didn't see the field after. So you're expecting a healthy Dominic Richardson. And listen, Dominic Richardson at running back. We could talk about him. I mean, transfer from Oklahoma State. In the first game against Texas State, he ran for, what were his stats? I mean, I think he literally had 130-something rushing yards in the first game. Uh, He's clearly RB1. And you have other guys like Dawson Pendergrass and Richard Reese who kind of have split the carries a little bit since he's been out. They don't look so like if you're looking at the the splits. Pendergrass had 111 yards versus Long Island, and he only had 21 against Texas. And then Reese only had eight yards against Texas and 82 yards versus Long Island. So on the year, Pendergrass has 134 yards. Reese has 125 yards. So most of their yards came from Long Island. So what that tells me is, and again, it's not no secret the offensive line for Baylor has not been good the first four games, and they have not been able to run the ball like they've wanted. Um, they have the most success against Long Island, but again, that's an FCS team. So going into this week, this is going to be a big test for UCF. I don't care that the offensive line hasn't been playing the best. I don't care that they haven't been able to run the football. Last week, you gave up a lot of yards to one guy and let up four rushing touchdowns to just one guy. Um, and, at that point, you really need to see what your defensive line is made of. So, Nick, you watched the game last week. You saw the run defense. Me and you have both been pretty much on that. Um, Not a lot of people in the UCF community have been talking about that because, again, the first three weeks, for the most part, the run defense hadn't been awful. Um, Boise was one where it looked a little leaky. And I think we said I'm. we're curious to see how it's going to look against a real opponent because... When you give up those yards to Boise, it causes a little bit of concern because it was just Ash and Genty. It was nobody else. You didn't have to deal with Holani. You just had to deal, deal with Ash and Genty. Now that we've seen the run defense, Gus said it was it's really fixable. It's all just guys in right spots. Kind of what's your take on this this defensive line? I think they showed some promise, but again, when John Walker is really the only guy getting pressure, and he's your backup defensive tackle that can cause some concern. Hopefully you get Ricky Barber back, but kind of what is your overall take against a Baylor Bears team that has not necessarily run the football as effectively as they're going to try to on Saturday?
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be a much easier task going up against Baylor than it was against Kansas State. But again, my concerns with this UCF defensive line, Uh, they just have not done a good job of stopping the run. And DJ Giddens, we mentioned it. I came, I'm thinking back to the number we said, he hadn't had a run longer than what, like 14 yards or something like that.
2: 10, right? 10, or yeah, Ten
0: or fourteen yards. Right. Going into that game and, and then you just see him gashing UCF the entire day and, and that's without having Trayshawn Warden there, right? Which we talked about, you know, maybe Kansas State's most experienced player there on offense. Didn't really matter, did it? And to your point about John Walker, he was the only one that I saw penetrating any sort of pressure. And that sticks out to me because I have been saying all this time, I want to see how this team in the trenches looks in the trenches. Looks against these Big 12 opponents. This is no longer American teams, in all fairness to them, it's not. These are the big boys. And in particular, Kansas State, which is probably the best offensive line again that you're going to see on your schedule this year. How are you going to hold up? And outside of John Walker, and let's not make it out, let's not act like John Walker was a game wrecker or anything. And I don't no. expect him to be. This guy, What is John Walker playing? What is his fourth career game in college football? Yep. It shouldn't be John Walker that should be the guy that's a standout, but it was. So, yeah, I got a lot of concern with that unit right now going forward because, yeah, maybe you're, gonna, you're not going to see an offensive line like that again, but you're still going to see it a lot more physical than what these guys are used to playing. And the cupcakes, quote-unquote, the Kent States, the Villanovas, they're gone. <laughs> they're, 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 gone on the, they're not on the schedule going forward. It's going to be a lot different. So, and if you can't win the, the trench play up there and you just give these quarterbacks time, I don't care what you got in your secondary and let's not act like UCF has the greatest secondary either, right? There's some holes. It's a flawed team. Okay. Um, I don't care what you have in your secondary. You will not hold up, right? The two always go hand in hand. So a lot of concern there. Maybe this week playing at home again against an offensive line that hasn't been great this season. I think it should be better but it's something to watch for the rest of the season based on how they played.
1: Yeah, Will Howard had however much time he needed. Uh, I, I, I understand the defensive scheme that we're running. Ultimately, you're trying to limit big plays, and which in the Big 12 is a defense you have to play because at the end of the day, if you're allowing 50 points a game, you're never going to win a game. So I, I understand the defense. I, I think it can work. But at the end of the day just giving up a bunch of five yard passes and five yard, six yard runs all the time. These teams are going to move the ball all over the field on you. And if you get into the red zone, clearly UCF has proven they can't really stop you or they, they won't stop you when you get in the red zone. So it'll be huge. If UCF can stop the run, I get it. You're, you're playing an inferior opponent when it comes to running football. Baylor has not done it good this year uh, against quality opponents at the end of the day, you need to prove you have a bounce-back week against a team that has struggled on the offensive line and being able to run the football and force them to throw. Like, if Blake Shapin is going to have to, if he's coming back and he plays and he's going to have to throw the ball, force him to throw it. Don't make it easy for a guy coming off injury to just hand it to the running back. And again, I think the defensive line, ultimately, it looked a lot worse because at the end of the day, the defensive line really stops one side. If they run to the left of the defensive line and the linebackers come in and give you no room, but if the running back is smart and just cuts it out to the other side, there's nobody on that other side. So I'm hoping that this week in practice, the coaches really worked on that and said, listen, we need some extra help on that other side. We can't send everybody to the one side, they're running the football because it's going to leave that other side completely left open. And that's ultimately what Giddens took advantage of last Saturday. Let's talk offense a little bit. You mentioned it, right? You mentioned quarterback play. Like we said, I ultimately, I do not think it was as bad as people were making it out to be. I thought Timmy McLean had, I said, a great game. You take away three to four plays and nobody's blaming Timmy for the game that UCF had on offense. Uh, again, we mentioned it. The stupid interception at the end of the half. You could have easily went down, put up a field goal. Put up a touchdown. You had enough time. And then you get the ball at the beginning of the half, which UCF scored on. And then it's a whole different ball ballgame. Uh, driving the ball. Tied game. 24-24. You have a first and 10, I think, on probably uh, Kansas State's 45. And you decide to back up and run out of bounds instead of throwing the ball away. And you get a second and 22. Certain plays like that, and then you get forced to punt the ball. Certain plays like that, Make you scratch your head. But ultimately, again, you can't ask for more out of a backup, number one. And number two, I think his passes were way more accurate than in the Villanova game. And which gives you a lot of confidence for this game against Baylor. Ultimately, what is kind of your key on offense? I get you have to get running the football. I think they only rushed for 140 last week. That's unlike UCF. But again, against a team that is desperate in Baylor. They're very desperate for a win. They might be getting a couple nose tackles back, a couple of their DTs back to kind of help out that defensive line that has struggled getting pressure. Kind of what do you think UCF's game plan is going to be going into this week? Is it going to be a heavy dose of R.J. Harvey? Because again, I liked going with Johnny mostly last week. But against a struggling D line, do you go with R.J. Harvey and kind of force yourself to run the football against with an offensive line that you know has kind of struggled early on in this year? Yeah, I'm not going to ignore the – if I rip the
0: defensive line apart, I'm not going to act like the offensive line has been has been great either, right? Uh, and there's a reason why – and Timmy needs to learn not to back, you know, backpedal like that and run backwards, but let's not act like he had the greatest protection, right? Yeah. Um, I think you know they probably are going to want to have to establish the run. I think they see a golden opportunity here uh, given the fact that Baylor is a bit thin on their defensive line. Um, so maybe it could be a good little opportunity to get right game for this offensive line to start feeling confident about themselves. If they can push the piles here and that would involve getting RJ Harvey, I think back into the game a little bit more because you mentioned it, it was kind of the the Johnny when they were going to have success in that Kansas state game. It seemed like it was Johnny Richardson. Um, you know, who was having it. Uh, I know RJ had, I think twice as many carries as, as johnny but i mean johnny averaged like over 10 yards a pop every time he got the ball right that's probably one of the game the best games i've seen johnny have in a ucf uniform to be honest. 100 percent um but everyone else kind of struggled to run the ball in that game so i think they're going to want to get back to that it's not like it's not like they didn't try they just didn't really have the ball that much they didn't really have the ball much they couldn't really get in a good flow of that uh but i think they're going to want to keep Timmy, I mean, wouldn't you agree you want to keep Timmy ideally under 30 pass attempts if they can do that? I think they'd probably like to run it. If they can hold, if they can get, if they can possess the ball, what, 65, 70 plays during game, I think they'd like to keep Timmy under 30. I think that's probably the sweet spot.
1: Yeah, I don't think they want to, I mean, he only threw 24 against K-State, and again, that was partially just sometimes drive stalled or, you know, whatever happened. But yeah, you definitely don't want over 30. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of R.J. Harvey this week. Yeah, I definitely and, do. And I want to see more of Timmy like use his legs. I want to see maybe some more some
0: more design for Timmy to get out in open space because, again, I don't think they were able to really utilize that strength of his against Kansas State. I think maybe you could do it against Baylor. I like to see that. I think, an, I think a run-heavy approach in this game would actually work.
1: Yeah, and, and you're going to – I think you're going to uh, – UCF fans might get really intrigued by this but I definitely think in that first half you're not going to see a lot of passing it's going to be hard nosed because even Gus like that's the first time in a post game where Gus looked at the stat sheet and was like almost disgusted with the yard difference in, in rushing I mean he was like well that's how we got beat 140 to 280 like we that needs to get that will get corrected so like Again, and we all know, like Gus loves to run the football. There's no question. There's a reason why so many running backs are committing to the 24 class and the 25 class. Because you know if you're coming to UCF, you're going to play for an offense that will run the football. So it would not shock me in the least if you see a heavy early dose of running the football and it's going to be up to Baylor. Like, again, I think if Baylor stops the run early, guess what? You're going to be forced to throw the football. And I know if I'm not mistaken, I know Baylor's kind of, again, banged up with the DBs. I don't know how many actual active DBs they have for this game, but it's going to give Timmy a good opportunity. I agree with the running with Timmy. We said it. Timmy is not John rice plumbing. He doesn't have the same speed, but Timmy is shifty. Timmy can elude sacks. Timmy can elude certain tackles and pick up some yardage. And I liked what I saw out of him in the Kansas State game. I don't blame it in the end on him. Kind of, he definitely cannot be running back as much. He needs to run forward. But again, I like the offensive line. You took out Drake, Drake Metcalf, which I agreed wholeheartedly with. He makes too many mistakes and he put it, but. Again, you have a redshirt freshman and Caden Kittler starting at center now. You moved guys all over the offensive line. Again, we'll see if Bula is healthy. I don't I don't know if he's gonna play, but you had Marcellus Marshall move to right tackle, and it is a craze fest right now at the offensive line. And Gus said, I think there's gonna be more of a, a sticking point this week with Going with the group you have. Because if you keep messing with your offensive line six, seven weeks in, you're going to still see these penalties. You're going to still see the false starts, all, all this BS happening with your offensive line because you don't have a solid group in there. They have to work it as a solid group, and you got to keep the group you have. So hopefully they just stay like that and see what happens. Right? I think Amari Kite was playing right tackle. Um, we'll see if that sticks, but... That's been the primary problem. And again, if you run the football this week, I think UCF has a good chance. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Baylor's overall, you know, skill players on the receiving end. That's kind of been the biggest question mark. I know they have Keetron Jackson Jr. He's been kind of their number one, 13 receptions for 223 yards, no touchdowns. Then you have Hal Presley. He's got 11 receptions for 172 yards, no touchdowns. No receiver on this Baylor team has a touchdown besides the tight end Dabney. He's got 10 receptions for 147 yards and three touchdowns. So out of his 10 receptions, he's got three touchdowns in the red zone. And they've struggled. Baylor has struggled in the red zone, just like UCF. And we talk about it with um, Brian Etheridge, but I mean, their red zone offense is 112th in the nation and the red zone defense is 105th. So ultimately when they get down in the red zone, you can almost safely assume, listen, our DBs are going to have to be on it. Like again, if you watch the film, Kansas State threw at Corey Thornton a bunch. I mean, if you look at how many times they threw at Corey Thornton, it was noticeable. So whoever Corey Thornton's on, you can expect that they will kind of try to go after him. But it seems like lock up Dabney and play the running game and you will be able to stop Baylor in the red zone. Nick, what do you think Baylor will try to do? Knowing, listen, both teams are kind of bad in the red zone. They've proven it this year. Um, Both red zone offense and defense are poor for both of these teams in the first four games at least. What do you think Baylor is going to try to do against this UCF defense once once they get into the red zone uh, on crucial downs uh, when they get down there?
0: Yeah, I think if they get Dominic Richardson healthy, I think they're probably going to try to run the ball down there potentially, and and hopefully they can punch it in. But if not, uh, you know, you watch for a guy like Drake Dabney, who's the only guy that's really scored for them down in the red zone this season, the tight end. Uh, Maybe they have some success there. But you know, when you have when you're four games in. I think clearly you start to see the trend is there and where it's going right now. And it's one of the worst teams in the entire in the entire nation in the red zone, which, by the way, pretty sure UCF is pretty close to them, John, when it comes to red zone offense. So uh, you not this is not a battle of strength versus strength in this one. It's weakness versus weakness. But but yeah, I think the guy to watch uh, going into this game is probably Drake Dabney. And then see if somebody else can make a play. Maybe you get some more creativity down there. I think anything would help after four games of ineptitude like it's been, especially against Texas where they were, what, two for six and didn't even score a touchdown. So just a lot of question marks for Baylor, and that's another one.
1: Yeah, a lot of question marks, and we'll see how UCF responds. Uh, Hopefully they can kind of get that red zone defense a little better this week than it has been and take advantage of uh, Baylor's red zone defense. All right, uh, we will go to our interview right now with Brian Etheridge from Sikkim 365 and 365 Sports. We go into everything with this game, hopefully give you a little bit more information, Knights fans, about this Baylor team and what we're going to be expecting. And then stick around after that because we will go right into our predictions after that. Here is that interview right now. Like I said, guys, we are back here on Charge On. We have Brian Etheridge from Sikkim 365 and 365 Sports to just give a little bit more information on these Baylor Bears. It's better to talk to somebody that's been watching this team for the last four weeks uh, than it is just us watching highlights and looking through stats because this is a team that definitely uh, has a lot of question marks leading into this game. Uh, But Brian, thank you so much for coming
2: on and and taking the time to join us this night. Oh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. I mean, I I, I was at the uh, Fiesta Bowl, you know, back back in the day covering that, so pretty pretty familiar with UCF and a good friend of ours played for UCF, so or the family, so we've uh I got a lot of trash talk for the past decade on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we've had that to kind of hold over Baylor for the past decade, uh, and it's funny, it's like the 10 year anniversary that team will be coming back, so. We've said in this pod and, you know, over the course of the last couple months when we've been looking at Baylor that there's a lot going against Baylor for this game, right? It's Mm -hmm. UCF's first big 12 home game. It's going to be a, you know, an atmosphere that many aren't really, you know, you guys are expecting it, but UCF in a power five conference is kind of the thing that everybody's been waiting for. We were expecting Baylor to be a lot better coming into the Pounce House uh, to start the year. Correct. Kind of give your overall thoughts to the start of the year. Obviously, we have huge respect for Baylor and everything they've done, but obviously injury bug and some surprising losses has kind of started out the year for you guys.
2: Yeah, it's just been like something's amiss uh, with the team this year. And, uh, you know, losing your quarterback in the first game, you know, having, you know, your backup quarterback be banged up. Even obviously, UCF you know, fans know that with with uh, Plumley being hurt. Um, Bader's top three nose tackles have not played this year. Uh, so you have a guy that's 270 pounds playing nose tackle. And he's valiant and doing what he should be, but he's a defensive end. And they keep sliding in. in Trevor um, you know, May from Oregon will slide in. And he's around 290. So it's something that other teams have exploited there. And then Bader is very young in the secondary. So that's the one thing that people have uh, exploited a little bit. And the young secondary, the corners have sort of stepped up. Safety's, um, again, lost your starting safety against Texas State, dislocated his elbow. He came back against Texas last week. Um, you know, so he's trying to get back. And, you know, it's really tough to do that, especially, you know, with the huge, you know, brace on his arm. Um, you know, it's very difficult to tackle because you're trying to wrap up. And I don't, I'm not sure you have that kind of um, security in your elbow at that point, you know, with just that brace. So uh, I think Baylor's missing six or seven starters right now. Um, They've, you know, shuffled the offensive line after the first game Um, probably should shuffle a couple more just to see what's, you know, what is back there Uh, because we're seeing, you know, some breakdowns and it's just technique, technique breakdowns across the O-line, the D-line playing their pad levels too high And I know the coaches aren't coaching that, but bad habits come back and we saw some of those bad habits towards the end of last year and we're seeing it go forward right now. So is it um, sort of time to see some of the other players come through the younger players uh, on the team right now have been the ones stepping up on the defensive line and on the, on the offensive line. So, um, and the transfers that came in versus guys who have been in the system for a little bit. Um, And you know, Baylor again has a, you know, their number one running back's out. Um, he finally came back. So it's, we're expecting Shapin to play. It's probably 50 50 right now. Same thing for Richardson at running back. Um, but they moved Jordan Neighbors, who's a speedster uh, and a, you know, 180, 190 pound kid that was playing wide receiver in the slot to running back. So it gives you an idea of the depth issues they're having right now.
0: And when you look at, like, Baylor as a whole, I mean, obviously, you know, two years ago in Aranda's year, you had the Sugar Bowl victory. I think it was 11-win season, if I'm not mistaken. 12, yeah.
2: Twelve yeah, 12-win season,
0: right. And then you take the step back last year, and then this year, as we thought, we, that Baylor was going to be a much better team. You mentioned all the injuries, but just from an on-the-field standpoint, what do you think has contributed to almost, I guess, that deterioration? over the last two years and and especially the defense, which we thought was going to be really good with Aranda there.
2: If you go back and look right now, if you, if if you dive into the 18, 19 and 20 classes, there's just not many people left on those classes. Either they, you know, with a COVID class and then the end of Matt rules um, years. Uh, And then you also lost a ton of you know talent off of that 21 team. I think there were seven guys drafted off of it. And then, I think 10 made teams off of that list that weren't even, you know, three more guys that weren't drafted. So the bulk of the guys right now in the NFL uh, are from that team either in, and they were brought in by rule and by Aranda. So they were both guys um, that 21 team was pretty much half and half between rule and Aranda recruits. But if you look at the 18, 19, 20 classes, just not a lot of guys who should be the guys performing and, and carrying the team right now. So it's a lot of youth right now doing that. The defensive line is, is very experienced, but missing a nose tackle and then missing the backup nose tackle, <laughs> and it's 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 uh, it's something that really has to be rectified by somebody coming back from injury. And they're expecting one of those guys back on uh, on Saturday. So if he can plug the hole and, and and let the defense operate the way it's meant to do, uh, meant to be, we could see something maybe a little bit better on run defense. But but that's the one thing everybody's been attacking by there essentially with the run up the middle. And it's, um, and then at that point you start creeping up, and then you're, you're opening up your uh, secondary at that point.
1: When you talk about the quarterback situation, obviously Blake Shapin is QB1. Uh, would you rather have as a Baylor fan, would you feel more confident in shaping at 75% or and I know Sawyer has a little bit of an ankle issue. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, he's kind of closer to a hundred percent, but would you take Sawyer at a hundred or Blake at 75% heading into this weekend? Uh,
2: that's really difficult to say because neither one of them are going to be a hundred, <laughs> uh, you know, and Robertson, I think he's closer probably to 80% right now. Uh, so I'd take the shaping at 75 over the, the Robertson yeah. at 80, uh, Robertson has a great job on change of direction and scrambling, but when you have the bad ankle, it's very difficult. You know, the one good thing it would be on grass, the bounce house, compared to the turf. Um, but it's still very gonna be very difficult for him uh to you know to run.
0: Now, I'm curious, you know, just from a Baylor even from your perspective or Baylor fans, have you gotten a feel... Like, how did they kind of view this game against UCF? Obviously, it's a new opponent in the Big 12. And I asked that because last week we saw all four of the new teams that came into the Big 12 all lost those games. So I'm just curious, are Baylor fans viewing this as potentially this could be our get right game, right? Or do they still have a, a pretty level, a
2: good level of fear going into this? What no, there's think? a lot of fear. And at this point, there's a fear of a 1-11 season. And there's fear of a 2-10 season. Uh, just depending on what happens, if Shapen doesn't play and Robertson doesn't play, I mean you're down to a walk-on, and Baylor fans are just, you know, at that point just you know sort of hands on it off and just do the best you can do. Um, no, there's there's a definite um, appreciation for what UCF has done this year and in the past. I mean, obviously if Baylor didn't take them seriously and in the Fiesta and got and got and got their ass whipped, then you know you're going to have to know it now and being something in in the conference you know we're seeing um, you know the Baylor fans I mean it's quite a few they're traveling they're coming out and they're going to be out there they're out there today and tomorrow you know hitting Disney and hitting Universal and you know having a good time in Orlando I think that's one thing that everyone's really excited about as well with y'all coming into the conference is is having those travel options and and seeing something new instead of going to you know Lawrence or or Stillwater which you know we like going to those those places. You know, that's great college towns, but then having the opportunity to go out there, you know, and we made the BYU trip last year as a you know, I had a website go out and and it was uh, you know, they put on a great show. I mean, it's it's always it's an interesting um you know dichotomy of how they go out and, and it's crazy, you know, but no alcohol. So you you're sort of you know, we were out drinking in the parking lot with our tailgate and we're like, we just sort of felt out of place. Uh, so it's good Baptist, you know, we're out there doing that. But it was, uh, it was, it, we had a good time and, and they were great. And uh, and so that's what, you know, I think that Baylor, you know, renting the boards around Orlando, I think that's something that, you know, you're starting to see a little bit more in the conferences a, a little bit more like a collegial atmosphere towards each other and also respect and, and appreciation that, that everyone's in the conference and going to, you know, stick together versus, Having the people who always look on the outside thinking they're better than the Big 12.
1: I'll say this. We we've talked for years. The bounce house, I've said it, and again, like there's you know, I've gone to a Florida game, right? I've gone to a Florida State game. I I get those type of atmospheres. I've said to any type of opposing fan that's coming to the bounce house. There's just something that's it's unlike it in college football. You have to experience it to kind of understand. Because by the looks of it, it's you know not a huge stadium, seats forty two some thousand. But you know we love it because even you know at Villanova we saw Villanova fans travel here yeah. to see the Baylor fans in Orlando to kind of pack that visitor section is going to be really fun and really interesting to have a bunch of fans travel and listen. They didn't. They started selling alcohol at the bounce house like a year ago. We yeah. definitely didn't need that because uh, some of our you know students there can get a little uh, not so nice. So Baylor fans, I promise, if things are said, it is not it is not a whole night nation. It is specifically our student section can get a little rowdy sometimes and say some things that we necessarily don't mean as a whole.
2: yeah, no um, I think everybody is sort of used to that now We're either going to Texas or Oklahoma or Oklahoma State yeah. or Texas Tech. if you haven't haven't been to Texas Tech yet. Hold hold on, hold on to your uh, hold on right there on that when you get up there and get tortillas thrown on you all game long and um, and things like that because that's what they do <laughs> and you just it, it, and everybody gets uh, pretty much obliterated and, and goes into the game and keep continues on through it so yeah oh, you'll, you'll enjoy tor- Texas Tech if you haven't done throw that yet on you? yeah they throw you tortillas they throw- on kickoff and then they throw tortillas whenever they score. And when you're, um, Baylor used to play them at, at, uh, at, at Jerry world over in Arlington, they were throwing them from the third deck. So you'd wow. catch one of those in the back of the head, you know, that's from a hundred feet up and, you, and you're just like, and it, you know, what in the world was that? Then you turn around and catch one in the forehead and you're like, okay, I'm just going to take it in the back of the head from here on out. Uh, but it was a, uh, it's a learning experience that everyone's going to get to learn, you know, when they go there Baylor fans are pretty, pretty tame, uh, in, in that regard you're not going to get things thrown at you. Uh, you know, when UCF comes to McLean, you know, you could see the, you know, the river and everything that's, it's a beautiful atmosphere. We have a huge tailgate across the street and we have plenty of everything you could ever imagine, you know, that you want to do. And, um, and used to have a really great tailgating scene. It's coming back a little bit. Uh, they made a, a change with a little corporate and people just went across the street like we did. And, um, so, but it is a, uh, it's a fun atmosphere and in Baylor Stadium It can get really it can get really loud, you know, seats fifty thousand when you fill the berm up. And it is um it's it's a fun atmosphere and I think y'all enjoy it when y'all come.
0: Yeah, we're definitely more excited about going to to Lubbock and going to Waco and going to all these different places. Like, no offense to our our former friends at the Tulsas of the world and the Temples—it's just not the—it's not the same. It's definitely yeah, I, not
2: the same. So I've been uh, to Tulsa Stadium. I've I've been to uh, God I went to UAB. Um, I've been to a few different places that you know back in the AUC and and um, you know SMU and. I, I, I still don't.
1: Well, SMU can't even fill their stadium now. So, I mean, no, it's. They, they
2: filled it when we came to town. I mean, when TCU comes to town and when, you know, the <laughs> Texas Tech comes to town, it fills up.
0: Yeah, even uh, Houston, they're in the Big 12 now. And they got, I mean, yeah. they can't even get like a quarter of that thing filled. But, that, I mean, that's their issue. But. Um, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised about that with Houston because as much. We we lived down there for a while and as much smacks. So I heard about how great they were. It was a little disappointing to see them not fill it up.
0: Let me let me ask though, because we talked a lot about things that are going against Baylor in this game—injuries, you know, young players, things like that. For you though, what is the path to victory? Because at least the way I view this. You know, this is all new experiences for UCF, and we saw kind of, like, you know, against Kansas State, they held with them for three quarters, and then they just kind of got out physical in the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of been my takeaway. These teams are a lot different in the Big 12 from a physical standpoint. So what do you think is the key to victory for Baylor? What's the path to victory
2: for them in this one? I think for Baylor is staying in their lane. There's been some guys freelancing, the younger guys freelancing a little bit. And leaving the edges open, if you go back and watch the Texas game, Baylor didn't set the edge, Texas ran down the sideline. And it was just that's, you know, youth and uh, bad habits. So that's something that has to be changed. And, um, you know, Malzahn's offense, there's quite a bit of it we saw in Texas State. Uh, You know, G.J. Kenny had that a little bit with, uh, you know, Gus's offense. So uh, Baylor's seen a little bit of it, not quite the whole entire thing. But if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback – um you're not gonna win. And that's Baylor's uh path to victory is getting pressure on the quarterback whether whichever quarterback is gonna be you know and that's another thing is we don't know who's playing who's starting quarterback and right now I don't think UCF knows who's starting quarterback either. And both of us, I guess Plum probably had a an MCL just like Shapin did just the week after. Yeah. Uh so is he back a week earlier? Not as serious as a strain or tear, or is he going to be out another week? So that's um that's sort of what it is, and if Baylor can also get their offensive line um, moving in the right direction now and rushing the ball, and that's what Baylor likes to do—is rush the ball and be physical. But this year they just haven't had a game where everything's clicked and then be physical on the offensive line or defensive line, and that—that that is their path to victory—is just being physical on the O line and D line.
1: I'll say this, Brian: a lot of I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. We're talking about it on this pod because. A lot of Baylor's problems, I think, are UCF's problems, right? Uh, Red zone offense and defense. I want to ask you about that because, I mean, specifically, our issues when we get into the red zone, it's, you know, unforced errors. You know, the Boise State comes to mind with the insane once-in-a-lifetime, you know, tip passes for interceptions, and uh, the offensive line is new. It's a new group of guys, so holding penalties kind of, a bunch of red zone problems. I think you guys are 112th in red zone offense. We're 103rd. And then red zone defense, you guys are 105th. We're 104th. So yeah, very similar on that end. And then the rushing attack. I mean, mm-hmm. I you guys have had a tougher front schedule than we have. So it's, I think, a lot of the same problems you guys are having, we have also. So kind of what has been the problem for you guys in the red zone? What kind of is getting corrected? Is it the offensive line problems down there? Is it the, obviously you didn't have Dominic Richardson uh, after, you know, week one and he just kind of got back. What are those problems down in the red zone early in the season?
2: I mean, early in the season, I think they had seven procedure penalties inside the red zone and it just killed the drives. And that was against Texas state. They had seven and it's not stopped. So that's what I, our worry is when they go to the bounce house and the, and the noise for this young. Um, it's a red shirt freshman starting at left tackle. It's a red shirt freshman starting at, at, at uh, you know right guard right now. So you have some experience, and those two guys have had some just typical freshman mistakes. Um, and then also the same thing on the you know on the D line is getting drawn off, and those guys should know better, but they're, again they're trying to do everything they can to get the stop and then just make us make a mistake by getting out of their lane. And you'll see it if they, have, if y'all have a good, good run to the outside. And if you see the, you know, either defensive end of their linebacker get sucked inside, it's the same thing we've seen all year. And it's the same thing we saw sort of last year that um, they start looking inside and especially running the RPOs that Gus, Gus does those guys are going to have to stay home and trust their teammates to make the play. And I think that's where some, some of the older guys are freelancing as well, thinking that those younger guys aren't going to make the play or they're not going to come and fill the hole. And we've seen that for the first four games. And I think after film study, those guys should just go, okay, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But let's let's stay in our lane and stay in our containment and do what we're supposed to do versus trying to go out and overrun a play or get out of position because we've gone upfield too far and let the quarterback cut under us or the running back cut under us. And that's something that um, Baylor really needs to see, um, you know, film-wise. And the fans need to see it. And and the team needs to see it. And if they do that, the scheme is there. The scheme is proven. But they're just not executing that scheme right now.
1: Obviously, you know, I think both these teams are flawed. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think the spread is ridiculous. When I saw 11 points favored to UCF, I get it. I understand Baylor hasn't looked great. Mm -hmm. But I think things on film last week and again I I think UCF played pretty well for about three and a half quarters against K State with a backup uh, and it's funny you say because I think John Rice does have the same injury shape and it's at like the same timetable same timeline uh-huh. we don't expect him back until Oklahoma because we have a bye week rip right before Oklahoma so I think he's probably out the next two weeks kind of what's your pulse on this game uh, kind of give a quick prediction we're giving our predictions after you at the end of our show but What's your pulse? Obviously, tough environment, tough place to play. A lot going against Baylor in this game. But uh-huh. again, with a second week in a row where UCF doesn't know who the quarterback one is going to be for the opposing team. So, kind of, what's your take on this game?
2: I mean, right now, I think if, and again, the Baylor team has not put two halves together this year. Not they, They're not against Long Island, not against anyone. They haven't had done that. Um, so, they haven't really played a game together as starters you know you're missing six or seven starters out of 22 so i really have no idea what this Bader team is going to do this weekend um for me you hope they step up in the environment and try to shut down a little bit of the the noise you know by grinding out the game on the offense, offensive offensive you know plays with, with running plays but i'm not real sure that's going to happen i'm pretty sure as jacked up as ucf is going to be they're going to come out firing and hitting and if bader doesn't respond early And they wilt down; it could get out of hand, Uh, especially that first the first game in the Big Twelve because UCF is going to want to prove something. So it's really difficult to put a score on it because I'm just not sure how they're going to react. They have Bader has to step up to that first punch in the mouth, and the second punch in the mouth, and the third, and not worry about the crowd and try to take the crowd out of it. If um, Bader can control the clock with the running game, Bader could possibly win it. Right now, I don't see Bader winning it. I mean, and I don't know if it's going to be a close game or just a blowout. Um, And again, if, if, if it's your third string quarterback Martinez in there for, you know, the walk on from Northern Arizona, I'm not, not really sure how Baylor pulls that out um, unless they can control the, you know, UCF D line with their O line, which Baylor hasn't controlled anyone's D line this year with their O line. So that just doesn't give you a lot of hope or, um, I can't just sit here and go, yeah, yeah, Baylor's going to win. That, that's not how I'm looking at this game right now. I'm looking at this game for them to get better, handle that environment, and then work work towards the next game against Texas Tech, and hopefully you get two or three more guys back uh, and go forward with the season. If Boykins shows up and plays nose tackle this weekend and Emory shows up and plays nose tackle this weekend, I'm expecting a little bit better performance in the defensive line. Um, but they're not out. If they're not, if they're not playing, in shape and did not play and Robertson didn't play. There's not a, you know, you're just hoping Baylor stays close.
1: Brian, I appreciate the time. It, a lot of insight there because some of those guys, again, doing research for the game, trying to figure out who's injured, who's not. You know, it sucks whenever injuries kind of <laughs> take over an early season for any team. Uh, but I appreciate the insight. I appreciate you taking some time.
2: Oh, no, thank you all for having me on and uh, look forward to uh, getting this spread out for you. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I want to thank Brian. Like I said, it's so great to get opposing, you know, writers or, or commentators on opposing, you know, teams to come on the show and, and talk about that. So really appreciate Brian for coming on. And now it's a uh, prediction time, uh, favorite part of the show. We are now undefeated Nick on the season, uh, which again, don't like to be undefeated after a loss, but you know, we're kind of seeing the board clearly with this team, which is always good. Um, Again, it was one of those weeks where, you know, I had a good f- idea of where I was going. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out score-wise, but kind of give your overall thoughts on the game. I'm I am pumped for this this game. I'm again, like I said early, it's one of those games I feel like we're always going to remember whenever we go to the Bounce House. This is going to be one of those games. The atmosphere is going to be electric. Um, so kind of give your take on UCF versus Baylor this Saturday at 3:30 p.m. on FS1? I think that the UCF Knights
0: in their first Big 12 home game with me in attendance are putting a 40-burger up on Baylor. I got them going 41. I got Baylor scoring 21. 41 to 21. And that's with Blake Shapin playing in this game, by the way. But I think this – I've been saying, you know, who's it going to be a get-right game for? Is it going to be for UCF or is it going to be for Baylor? I think it's going to be for UCF. I think the crowd is – even though it's 3.30, I would. I wish this game would have been at night, but we'll take 3.30, anything over noon, right? Um, yeah. Or or in some cases, 9 o'clock, like what's going on in Colorado this week? It could always be worse. My no. goodness. Uh, but no, I think forty-one twenty-one. – I think the run game is going to get going here. I think you're going to see a heavy dose of R.J. Harvey again. I think you're going to see a lot of Johnny Richardson again. Hopefully, they can get Timmy McLean out there and use some of his, athlet- his some of his athleticism um, in space. Keep it pretty basic when it comes to the passing games. Don't make any stupid mistakes like he did there in the fourth quarter against Kansas state. And I think you should be fine. I just don't think this Baylor team has the horses. I really don't. And you can make an argument that I didn't think Kansas state necessarily was that talented from a skill player's perspective, but even what they had, I think is, is substantially better than what you're going to see from Baylor in this game, from a skill position standpoint, too many question marks, a lot of young players playing uh, a program that right now is trending downward in year four under Dave Aranda. And you have to think that eventually he's filling the hot seat. I think UCF adds to it. So 41 to 21, and we move on.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much, and I've said this there's so much going against Baylor. It's been a decade since the Fiesta Bowl victory. Those guys are getting, you know, com- commemorated after the first quarter. On Saturday. So there's that. It's the first Big 12 game at home. So you've got that going against Baylor at home. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Baylor's been struggling. Seems like everything is going for UCF. UCF has question marks. They need to get answered. But this is a must win, Nick. This is a must win for UCF. And you're going to have a lot of must wins going on this season because at the end of the day, you win this game, you're 4-1 and one heading into a tough two-week stretch or three-week because you get a bye week, but Kansas is no easy feat, even though it seems like UCF fans are very confident in that game. Kansas is no easy feat, and then you got Oklahoma. Um, those are probably the ne- the two toughest games on your schedule for the rest of the year. After that, you kind of, it seems like, have a pretty substantially easy schedule after these next two games, so... This game is so crucial to get a dub because I'd rather, as a UCF fan, you definitely want to be 4-1 and heading into those two games than 3-2, and and potentially, if you drop those games to Kansas and Oklahoma, the season looks a little bit more bleak um, heading into that West Virginia home game, so I've got UCF winning, I do not think UCF drops two straight, and I definitely do not see them dropping the first one at home. I'm being a little bit more conservative. I think this Baylor defense is better than what people give them credit for at the end of the day again. Texas only put up 38. I'm not saying that's great, but Texas has a, a solid offense that could have put up a lot more. Uh, they did great numbers to Utah even though again Utah doesn't you know pop when it comes to offense. I'm going to say UCF 35, Baylor 24. I'll go with the 11. I didn't expect the spread to be 11. I still think it's ridiculous. Because again, I think Baylor is a better football team they put on film. Um, And I think Blake Shapin kind of helps Baylor a little bit there. Because at the end of the day, I think As a quarterback, Blake Shapen can make some throws that I think will give UCF fits. He's not Will Howard, but he is definitely, if we're talking about the quarterbacks that UCF saw last year, Blake Shapen would be a top three quarterback um, that UCF would have saw last year. So, again, 35-24. But, listen, at the end of the day, if Timmy can put up 40-50 points on this Baylor defense, um, that would bring great excitement. And, again, Really looking forward to it. I can't stress it enough. It gives me goosebumps, Nick, just thinking about the game because we've known how long it has taken UCF to get to this moment and to see the crowd that we, I think, are just assuming we are going to have this Saturday. Thank God, like we said, for at least a 330 kick and not an early kickoff because, first of all, I definitely... Uh, I'd get sunburned in two seconds. At least, hopefully, we can get a little bit of a less less well, sun at that you're, time.
0: You're the same guy who last year in the Cincy game you're wearing like you're wearing like what track pants kind of and yep. a, a long sleeve hoodie in the middle of October
1: in Orlando yep. for you. It's all okay black, throw, in all black, by the way. Exposing me. It's okay. Well, it's a whiteout, so I'm going to be forced to wear white because um, it is a whiteout. Hopefully, I don't know if UCF is giving away shirts. I think there might be a little rumor that UCF is giving at least the student shirts, um, but that would be nice to help the whiteout. But really looking forward to it. Nick, give your kind of final thoughts again. Like we both, I think we're both really looking forward to this game, a game that don't care where we were, in the states or if we were not living here, it would be a game that we would not be missing just because again, I think this is going to be a game regardless win or loss. Hopefully a win, but a game that we'll probably remember for for the rest of our life just because of the the hype that is around this game.
0: Well, I just hope the people in the comments that have been flaming me the last few shows saying that I'm I'm picking scared. I hope you appreciate what I've done today. I hate picking games like where I have to like Multi like multiple scores and stuff like that. It's not my style, Sean. Usually, when we do it, we're not right. So, but I got called out. I, I mean, they said I was picking scared. Um, it's called picking correct. Actually, I haven't missed yet. Um, just saying. But ditto,
1: ditto. We're 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 on a
0: roll, Nick. We are on a roll. Yeah, I know. We're predicting our way all the way to nine and three. Apparently, <laughs> in your case, I know. Eventually, we're going to get off, eight and four. Eventually, and four. we're going to get off the we're going to get off the the train together here, where we start doing our predictions. Eventually, but let's right hope it's now, not this week. It's not this week. We're at, we're in lockstep. I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be yeah. okay. I'll be I'll be reasonably shocked if they don't win this game. If they don't win this game, then they aren't who I they aren't nearly what I thought they were, and. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. They just won't be what I thought they were.
1: Yeah, uh, if that if there's a loss this weekend, then yeah, you definitely want to tune into the post game. Uh, Nick will not be on regardless, because um, he it will be driving back to Tampa. But that will I, I'd be if we lost, you're 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 probably glad Nick will not be on because maybe a little car pod, get a little car pod action on the way home. Hey, mate, I'm down for no video or or crap video just to to give a rant if that happens. But no, I think ultimately I think UCF gets the job done. I think Baylor is in a flux right now and uh, UCF should get the job done. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to Charge On. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the episodes coming up. We love the support that's been happening recently on the channel. Uh, It really means a lot to us and we hope to continue growing with you guys and all the Big 12 fans that seem to... Uh, like the content to tune in to hear what we have to say about their team or even Night Nation. So uh, we appreciate all the support. All right, guys, this has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Sunday.